Welcome, I'm Cliff Hedges. This is Pastor Cliff's Notes. This is a podcast where we're studying the Bible. We're working our way through the book of 1 Corinthians. Today is episode 423, looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 1 through 5. Let's read our passage. Now, I do not want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, that our ancestors were all under the cloud, all passed through the sea, and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food, and all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. Nevertheless, God was not pleased with most of them, since they were struck down in the wilderness. This is Paul's first letter to the Corinthian church. 1 Corinthians is a letter to the church at Corinth. He had founded the church about five years earlier in Corinth on his second missionary journey. Now he's in Ephesus on his third missionary journey. And he's received news about the church in Ephesus that there are factions, there's divisions, there's people puffing themselves up trying to be superior to others. They have faulty theology, they have sinful practices, they've got some real problems. They've sent him a letter and have asked some questions, more challenged some of his positions. And one of those issues is the whole idea of going to the pagan temples and participating in the feasts there. And they challenged Paul's apostolic authority to tell him not to do that. So back in chapter 8, he started talking about this idea of participating in the pagan feasts at the pagan temples and said, you shouldn't do that. And then in chapter 9, he defended his authority to tell them that. He defended his authority as an apostle, that even though he was entitled to receive financial support for them, he didn't, so that he could maintain his freedom from any human influence. And then he challenged them that they needed to run the race with the intention of winning and practice self-control. Now, in chapter 10, he begins with now, meaning in light of what we just talked about, that you need to run the race with the intention of winning. You need to practice self-control. That's the way you will finish this race. So chapter 10, verse 1, he says, Now I do not want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, that our ancestors were all under the cloud. Well, obviously he's talking Old Testament things here. He's talking about the Israelites leaving Egypt and being rescued by God from slavery in Egypt, being pursued by Pharaoh, led them across the Red Sea, led them in the wilderness. And so he's using these terms of the cloud and the sea. But before we get into that, our ancestors, most of the people in Corinth are Gentiles. How is it that the Jews were their ancestors? Well, who were the Jewish people. In fact, they, they were called Israelites at this time. They became Jews until after the uh, destruction of the northern kingdom of Israel. And then the primary group left were the tribe of Judah. Then they become known as Jews. At this point in the history of Israel, they're basically called the Hebrews because that's the language they spoke. So how is it that they're the ancestors of Gentiles in Corinth. Well, he's speaking spiritual terms here. Who are the Hebrews, this group of people, Abraham's family, essentially, and descendants who have been held captive in Egypt? They're being rescued by God, led by Moses. 
they are the community of God's people. They are the community that God has adopted as his own. God has called his own and set aside as his own community of his people. That's what makes them our ancestors. We're not talking an ethnic lineage, but a spiritual lineage. That now that those who follow Christ are the community of God's people. And so that's how they are our ancestors. And the Old Testament is still the word of God. The word of God to the people of God and by extension to the people of the world. And so that's what he means by our ancestors. They were all under the cloud. Then it continues, all passed through the sea. So under the cloud, this refers to the presence of God. That God led the Hebrews as they left Egypt. He was appearing to them as a pillar of cloud during the day and a pillar of fire at night. So he talks about being under the cloud. He's talking about this idea that they were there, the presence of God, under the protection of God, being led by God, that they were, they were God's people then, under the cloud. And they passed through the sea. This is speaking of the Red Sea. When Pharaoh and his army pursued the Hebrews, God miraculously parted the Red Sea, and all the Hebrew people passed through this opening in the Red Sea. And then when Pharaoh sent his army to pursue them, the sea crashed in and destroyed them. So God's miraculous deliverance of the people of Israel from Egypt. And that's where he refers to this idea of baptized into Moses in the cloud and the sea. And he's using figurative language because what he's trying to do, this isn't a history lesson. This is a lesson about them. So he's back to the issue of don't go to the pagan temples and participate in what they are doing there. So he's used the example of the Hebrews leaving Egypt under the direction of God. And so he says they were baptized into Moses in the cloud and the sea. We're using examples and what we call types, where Moses is a type for Christ, meaning he's like the pre-Christ in that he's the one who led the people in their deliverance. So just as when we are baptized, that signifies our deliverance from sin into the family of God, Paul's using this event at the Red Sea, the Exodus event, as the idea of the Hebrews baptized into the protection of God, being delivered by God from slavery in Egypt. So he's using this as uh, um, an example of the people of God, they were baptized under the cloud in the sea. Verse 3, he says, they all ate the same spiritual food. Well, he's referring here to the manna. And, and this is the manna, spiritual food. Remember, he's using an example here. He's making a, a comparison, a, a metaphor. It's spiritual food in that it was miraculously provided by God. This manna was provided for them to sustain them. They drank the same spiritual drink in verse 4. This is referring to the water that was miraculously brought out of the rock to provide water for the people. Then he says, for they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them. 
This is probably referring to the Song of Moses in Deuteronomy 32, where he refers to God as the rock. Several times he refers to God as the rock. And then he says, and that rock was Christ. Well, just as God provides for us now, God provided for them then. And there's not the people of God then, the people of God now. There's just the people of God. And it's not that Christ didn't exist until the incarnation. Christ has always existed. Christ has always been active in what's going on in the universe. So the whole point here is he's talking about the Hebrews. As God rescued them, delivered them from Egypt, brought them toward the promised land. And remember, they spent some time about Sinai. Then they were going to head straight for the promised land. But then they had this incredible problem of faith and obedience. And then that's why they spent 40 years in the wilderness. And God's judgment on them was, none of you that was over the age of 20 when you left Egypt will enter the promised land, except two, Joshua and Caleb, because those were the two who showed faith and believed God through all of it. And those are the only two adults that left Egypt that made it to the promised land. Which goes along with verse 5. Nevertheless, God was not pleased with most of them since they were struck down in the wilderness. All right, his point here is, these were the people of God. They didn't finish the race because they did not exercise self-control. He hadn't really made the point yet, but he will, as we continue on, talk about their dabbling in idolatry. It was because of idolatry that they didn't make it into the promised land. It was because of idolatry that they were struck down in the wilderness. It was because of idolatry that they did not finish the race. And that was the self-control they did not exercise. And the whole reason for this comparison here with the baptized into Moses in the cloud and the sea is that it seems that a lot of the Corinthians had this strange, magical view about baptism and the Lord's Supper. That basically, if they were baptized and you regularly participated in the Lord's Supper, you had this spiritual protection about you. They, they had kind of a, a magical view about it. It's the best way to describe it. And that they were protected spiritually so they could do what they want to do. They could go to the pagan temple and participate in the events there because they were baptized and sustained through the Lord's Supper. They had this protection around them. And Paul's picking away at that and giving this example of the, the Israelites, the Hebrews, as they're leaving Egypt, that well, they had a thing like baptism, they had a thing like the Lord's Supper, but it didn't magically protect them. Yeah, they were rescued by God, they were sustained by God, they were adopted by God, but they failed to practice self-control. And it specifically dealt with idolatry. God does not tolerate idolatry. He didn't with them at the Exodus event. That's why all but two of the hundreds of thousands of adults that left Egypt, all but two of them died in the wilderness. Only two made it, finished the race, because they did practice self-control. They did believe God. And God didn't tolerate idolatry for them, 
and he's not going to tolerate it with the Corinthians. And so Paul talked earlier about the idea of your behavior, how it affects others. Here he's talking a little more blatantly about the spiritual realities of what's going on. You can't go playing footsie with idolatry. And so often, and that seems to be the case with the Corinthians here, we look at how far can I go before I've gone too far? How close can I get to idolatry before I have actually committed idolatry? And that's so absolutely 180 out from the way it should be. What we should be saying is, how far can I get away from idolatry? How close can I get to God? Because idolatry is how far can I get away from God before I've gone too far? And we should be thinking, how close can I get to God? And so if there's anything, hints of idolatry in my life, I, I want to flee from it. I want to drop it. I want to get back from it. I get away from it. I want to cry out to God. God, deliver me from idolatry. But just as we do today, we always want to say, how far can I go before I've gone too far? And Paul's message here is, look what happened to the Israelites in leaving Egypt. They went too far, and look what happened to them. And what you guys are doing in Corinth, you're going too far, and the same thing is going to happen to you. Thanks for joining me. Join me again next time as we continue looking at 1 Corinthians.